0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We've been so close. This thing has a chance to to really take off. Part of that's going to be getting a few guys to stay. Maybe uh, part of that's going to be getting some some new blood in the program. Part of that's going to be getting some new coaches. And like I said, we got a good young core. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm really encouraged by the the progress we've made just from a football standpoint. Um, it's criminal that the record is where it is, and. I got to do a better job because uh,
1: coming this close in that many football games and not not getting any uh, is heartbreaking. And welcome here to this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as uh, we get you through another therapy session of another heartbreaking close defeat. Um, they've all been tough this year for Nebraska, Robin, but Friday has to be right up there. Twenty-one to six lead. Uh, with three fifty or excuse me, six fifty four left in the um, third quarter. Third quarter. When Nebraska went up twenty one six, it was a nine play, ninety four yard scoring drive. After they had already engineered, I believe, a seventy five and a seventy six yard scoring drive. Um, I mean, near near perfection from Nebraska against Iowa to that point offensively, and then special teams decided to show up and. Um, you know, I think there were some questions. Oh, would Frost try to get us full-time social teams coordinator? I think now there's no question he has to get one. Yeah. Um. You know, and and where that goes this week will be interesting. It's being taped right now, Tuesday, twelve thirty-six p.m. So if anything breaks, I'm,
2: I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but that this is where we're at right now, taping the show. Yeah. So uh, we'll just jump right to it. Sean, who's going to be the next offensive coordinator and who are they going to bring with to fill out the rest of the staff and what transfers are they going to get and who's going to leave for for Nebraska's current roster to the portal? Hold on.
1: Coach Frost, come on into the show. Thanks. Um, (laughs) um,
2: Yeah, I I know. Everyone wants
1: answers right now. I mean, I I think as we sit here today uh, at 1230 uh, on Tuesday, I think we feel pretty confident about Mickey Joseph from LSU, former Husker quarterback coming on this staff um, as a wide receivers coach. You think he'd get the recruiting coordinator title? Uh, probably so they could pay him. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, but he'll still get paid, you know, tech, but will he though? You know, I, I, you wonder if there's some gamesmanship with the LSU situation, um, you know, because Brian Kelly, as we noticed, got that job there. Um, you know, if, if he's offered a spot to say, stay versus go, you know, then it comes down to who's paying you this year versus, you know, mm-hmm. if, if he's on a, uh, one of those contracts for the previous school pays You so, that, I'm sure there's a lot of logistics being tied up on Mickey Joseph here as we talk Tuesday afternoon. I know there's been a lot of talk about Donovan Riola, uh, the brother of Dylan, I'm sorry, the brother of Dominic Raiola. He played for Wisconsin. He's been um, an assistant offensive line coach for four years with the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, brings that intense fire. You know, obviously a former Big Ten player, has connections to Nebraska, um, has been in the league the last four years. Um, and there's a Frost connection to the Rayolas, and obviously there's a connection to a uh, basically another version of Trevor Lawrence
2: potentially in high school football and Dylan Rayola. Yeah, that certainly doesn't hurt. So checks a lot of boxes in a lot of different ways there that would make a lot of sense. I know that you know, fans really want John Garrison. There's a, a loud voice for that, and he makes a lot of sense too. Great. He's doing a great job at North Carolina State, just produced the, the what, ACC Lineman of the Year. Uh, but I think you mentioned this on the chat, like – you know, he obviously played here at Nebraska, but other than that, what's the incentive for leaving North Carolina State right now? Where he's got a stable job, he's doing really, really well, and he's going to go to a, a, a program right now that is isn't very much flux going into this off season. I don't, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, and he's got young kids. I mean, I know John really well um, from when he was here. He's a great guy. You know, I saw John at a satellite camp in Boca Raton when he had just joined Jeff Doran's camp or st- staff um, at. Uh, North Carolina, or Dave Doran, I'm sorry, Dave Doran. Um, and and he said to me, he said, Sean, there are so many things I wish we could have done differently or done over again with just the approach at Nebraska. Um, he made a comment I always think about when it comes to recruiting offensive linemen for Nebraska. He goes, there was a time where I was sitting on Gator Alley, which is that highway that drives across Florida, and, the, and you, know, you basically drive through Swamp. He goes, I'm chasing some offensive linemen driving across Gator Alley and I'm like, what are we doing here? It's mm-hmm. like we need to get Midwest guys that are from this part of the country to play for Nebraska, to play in the Big Ten, that fit the culture, et cetera. I mean, he, he's got a lot of good thoughts, and there's no doubt he understands Nebraska. He'd be great. Um, so it will be interesting where that goes. I, I don't think money's an issue. I think Nebraska can outpay NC State if, if they really wanted to. It's a matter of if John would want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Doran's gonna be up for jobs too. Um, he's got North Carolina State really playing good football. Um, he was a guy, you know, when Bo Pellini was gonna maybe go to Arkansas, Dave Doreen, I believe, was in northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he he was interested in that Nebraska job. Somebody mm-hmm. on somebody close to Dave Doreen said he was calling around, finding out if Bo was leaving at that time because he was he's from Kansas City originally, and he was interested in that job. So we will see where that goes. Special teams coordinator. Um, feels like it's two people right now. Ricky Brumfield from Virginia, his sons a walk on on the team right now. Then obviously Bill Bush, um, who I think would definitely be a win-the-internet hire if you hired Bill Bush because he recruited Nebraska's last first-round draft pick, mm-hmm. Prince Mookamara. Um, he is the most proven recruiter in Nebraska's facility right now, period, in terms of first-round draft picks, track record, what he's done. In his current role now as an analyst, he's not recruiting. Um, So we don't even know what he could bring to the table. But I think overnight, you get him and, say, a Terry Joseph, that would really give them quite a boost in recruiting.
2: And honestly, I think that is a really important part to this. You want to show tangible signs of progress to convince your athletic director to to keep the staff around in 23. Uh, Success on the recruiting front is pivotal for that. I mean, obviously, you have to – win some games and show progress that way but uh being able to make waves on the recruiting front nothing sells the future more than recruiting success and that's one area that uh by no stretch of the imagination nebraska has failed at uh in terms of you know being able to really capitalize off of that and, and getting those big marquee type of players that that can sell hope for the future so yeah i mean getting two ace recruiters like that makes a lot of sense but uh Sean Snyder's name's been brought up a lot uh, Yeah, it, you know, I think he'd be great.
1: I mean, Sean Snyder was going to come here as an analyst before Jonathan Rutledge and he verbally accepted the position, then USC gave him a full-time gig. So instead of making about 175, he was making 350 or 400. Mm-hmm. Um so I think he's naturally somebody to watch as well. My only question is like what would, you know, his recruiting, you know, what would his role be kind of if you're going to bring him into a full-time role, you know. I think you got to have a good plan, and um yeah, I, I think Bill Bush gives you more bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. If you're being honest, um, don't know enough about Brumfield to really know what he would bring to the table, but I know he's always been on Scott Frost's short list as a candidate.
2: So, what, what's the connection there? I mean, I, I know his his son is a walk-on here, right? Yeah, I don't know if there's a connection
1: necessarily, other than there's always. You, you, I think when, when you're somebody in a leadership role coaching Power 5 football, you always want to have a short list of what you feel are strong minority coaches, um, and, and and he's a guy that I know that's been on the list, and then you start to look in conferences like the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12, because the reality is those leagues can't pay the same as the Big 10 and the SEC, mm. that's that's where it's heading. And yeah, you know, I think Brumfield makes three hundred thousand. Nebraska could dang near double his salary. So,
2: well, yeah, and his son Kyan, uh Brumfield is a, I guess, junior, soon to be senior defensive back who transferred. He was at Texas Tech before, uh, I think, as a walk on. So he walked on this past offseason. So that would be the direct connection between Nebraska and Ricky Brumfield.
1: All right. Well, we've got a full show on tap here. Uh, we're going to take some questions in the mailbag. We're going to talk some basketball as well. And then the two Johnnies from Dublin, Ireland, um, a, a famous group of comedians are going to join me in studio. They were here for the Iowa game and, and these guys were great. Um, they sat in and um, they're going to tell Nebraska fans why you need to plan your trip at Huskers dot com to Dublin, Ireland, for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic in August of 2022. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us.
0: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on
1: Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan. Robin it It's that time of year, Robin, where we start to give you some basketball time as uh, Nebraska uh, getting ready to play uh, some really, really big non-conference games coming up, obviously, the ACC Big Ten Challenge this week. Uh, but then they have uh, their opening appetizer Big Ten games against Indiana and Michigan. They've got Auburn on the horizon. They have Kansas State on the horizon. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a pivotal stretch, Robin, um, this Nebraska basketball team faces as they enter um, you know, this month of December.
2: Yeah, but the way their non-conference schedule shaped out, uh, they basically all last month, the month of November, was built to get ready for this, to where they played seven straight games at home, including two charity or, I guess, exhibition games uh, to, to really warm up and, and figure all the things they need to figure out uh, and do so at as limited risk as possible. Well, you know, right off the bat, you lose to Western Illinois. That kind of sets you back. And then the Creighton game, but slowly but surely, they've started to make incremental progress to where there's a little bit more role definition. Guys are starting to uh, do the things that they're supposed to do to make this thing work um, a little bit more than they did earlier in the year and it, it's still very much a work in progress, but the, basically the last month was built to get ready for this stretch. When the calendar flipped to de- December. Things get real, um, you know. Obviously, uh, we're, we're taping this Tuesday, so the NC State game hasn't happened yet. But that's your first road game, the first time this team has had to play away from Pinnacle Bank Arena. And then a few days later, you're going to Indiana on Saturday for your very first Big Ten game. And Indiana has been significantly improved. They're, as we speak, 31st in the Ken Palm rankings, and have really played high-level basketball and then oh by the way uh you know look ahead to next week michigan comes to town they're ninth in the ken palm rankings and then you go play a quote-unquote neutral site game in atlanta which will essentially be a home game against 19th auburn luckily it's like at nine in the morning yeah <laughs> I mean, it's 11 30 a.m local time 10 30 central time so uh yeah that that game is what it is and then you close it out with kansas state so you know just uh, going into that stretch, you know the the two bookends are by far the most important for me uh, as far as Nebraska being able to keep this thing on track. Uh, that NC State game, obviously, you don't know how they're going to respond to their road their first road test, but then Kansas State is certainly a beatable team. In fact, I think they're projected to win uh, on the early analytics on that. So how they do in those two games will go a long way in what this month is. For Nebraska. I think Indiana on the road, that's going to be tough. And then beating Michigan at home. That's a doable. I mean, Michigan's not as good as people thought, correct? I mean, like I said, they're top 10 in Ken, Ken Palm right now. So, like, the, the analytics suggest that they're pretty darn good. And they they do things that will give Nebraska problems particularly with Hunter Dickinson, who's as good of a center as there is in college basketball for a team like Nebraska that can't rebound uh, and struggles to defend the low post that that could be an issue. But uh, I really look at those those last the first one, NC State and the last one against Kansas State. those are games that if Nebraska wants to be the type of team that it thought it could be, you got to win those because those are your resume games that you point to where you know you played high major competition and got wins, especially if you're able to win a true road game, that carries more weight than than almost anything. So uh, we'll learn a lot about this team. Like I said, the last you know, seven games have been a tune-up, uh, maybe outside of the Creighton game for this stretch, and we'll see how ready they are to handle a significant jump in level competition.
1: Now you talk about Michigan though; they lost to Seton Hall by two in the in the Big East uh, Big Ten Challenge. They lost to Arizona State Arizona by eighteen. Now is Arizona.
2: Arizona was good,
1: but the one that got my—I I had never heard
2: of this team, Robin Tarleton State, coached by Billy Gillespie, former A&M and Kentucky coach.
1: They're a one-in-six team, and they only beat them by eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that just one of those games? That was, it
2: was—it was—it was, it was eyebrow-raising. That—that's
1: that, the one I'm like, wait a minute.
2: Yeah. So you know, who knows? I mean, again, you know, to say that they're beatable now because I mean, Nebraska lost to Western Illinois. No, I so know it. It's all relative, but yeah, I mean, certainly they're they're not unbeatable. Like, I mean, they, they are a team that was projected by some to be the favorite in the Big Ten, even over Purdue going into the year. Uh, so maybe that's changed a little bit, but they are still one of the most complete teams in the conference. And, you know, if Nebraska doesn't show up ready to play, uh, they could have their hands full and then some.
1: Boy, and I'm looking just ahead at January. You know, they have a – they open the – year of 2022 with three games in a week in january they play sunday ohio state wednesday at michigan state saturday at Rutgers. I mean, that that's a hell of a seven day stretch right there.
2: That's the Big Ten grind. It is what it will never be easy. And so you kind of look at how it's how it's shaped up where uh you know, are your difficult stretches at the beginning or at the end of your schedule? That and one week where you play like three games. Exactly. So in in this case, I mean they're they're getting it right off the bat. Like said you mentioned with that type of run, and then oh, by the way, you gotta play Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin, all of which are in the top thirty-two of the Ken Palm rankings as we speak. So uh, there are no nights off in this league, but the good news is the back end of the schedule is a lot more favorable. So that's what makes this month so important. And then how they start January so critical. If they can at least just keep their head above water and not get completely overwhelmed like they have the past two years to where you're putting together double-digit losing streaks, uh, you have an opportunity to make a late push uh, come February essentially uh, and if you're able to capitalize on that that's. go back to the last time they made the tournament that's exactly what happened. They went into February they were 500 and all of a sudden they started reeling off a whole big long win streak uh, beat Wisconsin at the end and, and solidified their spot in the tourney Maybe that's the same path they're going to have to follow this year, just with the way their conference schedule shapes up.
1: And I know this will excite you, Robin. That Ohio State game on January second, a Sunday night at seven o'clock. Oh, I love it. You got
2: to love those Sunday nights. Well, and then you know, <laughs> even better, they the Iowa game. That's a Super Bowl Sunday. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, the, that, and the that one might be lightly covered. I'll just it's <laughs> it's a, it's I'll a Tell um, subscribers it's, that. Well, it's at Iowa. Yeah, so that's not, usually the
1: game that I go to, but. We'll see. And then um, – We'll see. You know what one jumps out to me on the schedule looking ahead? Indiana on a Monday at 5 p.m. Mm. in Lincoln.
2: So, like, you – I mean, that that is a crazy early tip-off time I for – It's one of those doubleheader games where they're going to be the early window and then they play somebody else or uh, the BTN plays or has another game later that Usually it's 6-8. and, five eight, and eight.
1: Like, the 5 – I mean – for people from like Grand Island to get to Lincoln for a five p or Omaha or <laughs> yeah should I even say South Lincoln to <laughs> get downtown by exactly. five I mean it's it's a chore I mean it is
2: especially with the parking situation I mean like it's been difficult enough you know let me just getting to games then you have the concession stand issues and now you're asking people to show up at five o'clock on a Monday to to go you know support this team it's it's asking a lot, so it'll be a lot easier to justify that if Nebraska's competitive.
1: I'm not going to be a food snob, but I am going to be a food snob. The 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 quality of food PPA is just not what it yeah, used to it's, be. They're
2: struggling right now, uh, and like I get it. They're they're it's a staffing staffing issue, issue like but, everywhere.
1: Um, you can't even really get a runs obviously for years that that's been pulled out of there, but just the options of are so limited with yeah, with basically what the, like hot dogs and
2: pretzel bites. Yeah, pretzel bites,
1: and then hamburger only pizza. Hmm. So.
2: Yeah, I'm spoiled. We get the media meal still before that, so I don't have to...
1: Now, the club lounge has a m- buffet, I, I've Good. noticed, but you, you have to have a club ticket. But yeah, we went to the game Saturday, went to Laszlo's, and it was packed. I mean, I think you, you pretty much know you're not going to eat lunch in the arena. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, people are adjusting like they should, but... That would be a good way to help uh, further the game day experience, is if they actually provided a few more uh, food amenities. All right. Well, when we come back, um, I'm
1: going to bring in some special guests, Robin from Ireland. The two Johnnies join me. These guys are good, and they are the two most famous YouTube Instagram podcasters in all of Ireland. And they came on the show. They joined me in the studio. They were here for the Nebraska Iowa game. They're going to tell you why you need to travel out to Dublin next August for the 2022 Aer Lingus cultural classic when Nebraska takes on Northwestern.
0: This is Husker online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. As we've talked about for the last several weeks, Husker Online is proud to be uh, one of the partners and promoters of the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic. And each week over this course of the season, we've had different uh, people come on from Ireland um, about the game. And I've got some really, really special guests joining me here. Uh, Sean Callahan joined by the two Johnnies, famous comedians, famous comedians in Ireland. Correct. Oh, we like to think so. Johnny, yeah, yeah. Johnny <laughs> Tipman and Johnny Smacks. Yeah, that's us. And you guys are in for your first ever college football game at Nebraska. You did stay at the Iowa Team Hotel, so hopefully you harassed Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes last night. I did.
3: I drank as much as I could, and I just made as much noise as possible. <laughs> Knocked on everybody's door, fans, players, coaching staff. Tried to cause as much. Havoc. I told them their corn was terrible, Sean. They did not appreciate it. But We're here to support the Big Red.
4: Yeah. We, we tried to let down the tires of their bus, but we got caught. We, we, we got to go back to bed. You know? We got to <laughs> keep a low profile now. But They're looking ha- for us. We're
3: so excited to be going to the game today. We got a tour of the stadium and the facilities when it was all empty. And we saw some of the team, the team training and the walkthrough. I got to say, I was very intimidated when I walked into the gym. And I saw these are the biggest men I've ever seen up close. You know what I mean? Some guy comes at you with his top off. I didn't know where to look. People eat here. We yeah. get
4: we get big. We're yeah.
3: big guys, yeah.
4: We're we're amazed. Like we 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 got changed in the locker room. And like we're we're there thinking like, Oh yeah, we're big enough, you know, we we can lift weights. <laughs> then this guy comes in with six foot nine. And it's like, Oh, we we've got a bit to go. Yeah. It was enjoyable. Though.
1: Well, guys, Nebraska goes to Ireland in 2022 in August, and for a lot of Nebraskans listening to this Mm. show, they've never been to Ireland. Yeah. Tell Nebraska fans why they need to make this trip to Ireland in 2022.
3: Ireland and Dublin, Ireland, the capital city, is one of the most fun places you can go in the world. Ireland is known for the crack, as we would say, C-R-A-I-C. It's an Irish word that basically means fun. Like, Ireland is known for you got to go to the pub, get a couple of beers, go to the stadium. It's a great stadium. It's got a lot of tradition. It's right on the river and the railway tracks. It's, it's an amazing place to go. And yeah. you're just going to have so much fun. Our Dublin is a party town. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're not used to tailgating Tailgating in Ireland. It's not really an Irish thing. So they're going to set up a whole tailgating area, and you got to get all the Huskers fans into the bars in Ireland. I don't want to start any trouble, Sean, but I think Ireland has better bars than Nebraska. I don't want
4: to start any fights now. <laughs> there is there is similarities because since we came here, we found how friendly everyone is. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're like oh, in yeah. Ireland. We're, we're, everybody's looking forward to getting the Nebraska fans over. We want to show them the Irish fun like we've been showed the fun here around Nebraska. So it's going to be great. We're looking forward to getting everyone over. I know, I'm sure there's a lot of Nebraska fans who are into golf. We do golf really well in Ireland. Proper, lovely courses, on the sea, it's it's incredible. People have got to check it out.
1: So when you're staying in Dublin, I mean, what would you recommend people doing? Getting out of Dublin a few days, stay. I mean, how, how would you kind of map a trip for somebody making... If they had six days in Ireland, how would you kind of map that out?
3: Yeah, maybe do half in Dublin and then get down the country, get to the West Coast. we got beautiful scenery and a lot of culture and music and a lot of bars. So if you... <laughs> If you come to Ireland, you kind of can't escape the bar, the pub experience, as we say. So, yeah, I'd say I'd spend half your time in Dublin. you got to go to the Guinness factory, sample a bit of that. There's some great distilleries and museums and all that stuff if you want it. But if you want to get down the country, get lost. Get some good country hospitality into you.
4: And, sp- and, and potatoes, we love spuds in Ireland. <laughs> it's not just the stereotypical. We do good food. But especially, as Johnny said, the West Coast, you'll get traditional Irish music. You'll have fun. You've got the views. There's the cliffs and Moher. All these different beautiful things. Ireland. Ireland is a lovely country. And the good thing about Ireland is it's so small that two hours yeah. from Dublin, you can see every part of the country.
1: So, in terms of sports in Ireland, is soccer number one? American, we call it f- f- football here. Or you guys call it football there. I'm sorry, but we yeah.
3: we, we actually call it soccer yeah. in Ireland. Mm-hmm. They call it football in England, but we call soccer. So- we yeah. call it soccer soccer in Ireland because we have Gaelic football. Yeah. we have our own type of football play with a round ball but it's full contact Yeah,
4: you play like with a rugby hands. it's somewhere between like rugby and soccer right? and, and uh, murder <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty physical and that's the football and then we've also got so fo- like Gaelic football is probably our number one sport our second sport is hurling which is played with a stick that's also like it's like lacrosse meets ice hockey but on a grass field
1: And Aviva Stadium hosts all kinds of things. Yeah. It's not, I mean, obviously they get this football game, but they have soccer, they have rugby. I'm guessing they have Irish football there.
4: Yeah. They they, they host everything concerts, the whole lot. All all the greats have been there, you know. And I think there's going to be greats next year as well when Northwestern and Nebraska go ahead. That's going to be a spectacle. But yeah, yeah, that's it. The the Aviva Stadium, it's the home of of Irish soccer and Irish rugby.
3: Yeah. So the big sports in Ireland, you got Gaelic football, then hurling, then probably soccer, Mm -hmm. then rugby. Golf, and then you'd be surprised how many fans of American football there is in Ireland. There's not that many uh, teams because I guess it's a big undertaking to start a team and you got to get all the equipment and insurance and stuff. So there's a lot of college teams. And Ireland, of course, has a national team, the Irish Wolfhounds the Irish National American Football Team. Oh, really? Yeah, but there is a lot of American football fans in Ireland, a lot of people tuning in.
1: Well, they've been playing like three or four NFL games in London every year, and I think Mm. that's probably helped a little bit. I mean, you get some good NFL teams coming over uh, for a game three or four times. Now, COVID kind of shut that down a little bit.
4: But it's so close, London's so close to us that you'd have a lot of Irish-American football fans going over to London to see the NFL games, and it's great now that we've got American football coming to Ireland, a proper game, you know what I mean, it's a, it's not a preseason friendly, this is for real, these lads are going to be going at it. Oh yeah, I mean this is, I
1: mean, Nebraska's coach, he's got to win, I mean he's, yeah. he's, he's in, I mean he's got some pressure on him next yeah. year, the stakes on this game next year in Ireland when Nebraska plays Northwestern, I mean... The season. I mean, they've got to win this opening game to kind of get their season going. And they did beat Northwestern 56-7, to which was very uncharacteristic. Northwestern is usually a really good program, mm-hmm. but they were down this year. So, okay. it will be interesting. I mean, yeah. it's a really, really – unique opener. Mm. Uh, but the reason why Northwestern wants this game in Ireland, because when they host Nebraska in Chicago, usually 25,000 Nebraska fans <laughs> come to Chicago yeah. and take over their stadium. And yeah. they're like, instead, instead we're going to see maybe 25,000 Nebraskans will come to Ireland. And, that, and that's what we're hoping. Yeah. I
3: hope so. I hope the people of Nebraska travel. I know it's a long way, but it's so worth it. Ireland is going to be such an experience. And that game is going to be so special.
4: You know, yeah, so. we, we spoke to Coach Frost yesterday, and he's excited. He's <laughs> hoping to get the win and then enjoy some <laughs> Irish whiskey that's what he told us. <laughs> yeah. So. He's a big
1: golfer too.
4: Yeah, 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 he was asking us about courses and stuff. So yeah, he he's excited. Everyone else should be excited too.
1: Now what do you tell us more about you guys, the Two Johnnies act and how busy are you guys? How many I mean how how long you've been uh, you know traveling the world, traveling the countryside of Ireland?
3: Oh, we've been doing our thing for about 5 years now and our, our main thing at home is a podcast. We got the Two Johnnies podcast is the biggest podcast in Ireland and we've got a TV show where we go around trying new things and we did an episode on American football which is kind of how this whole journey uh, started for us w- with you guys. So um, that was amazing. We got to train with the Irish national team, the Irish Wolfhounds. So
4: We were terrible. We
3: were terrible. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we tried. Hey. We tried. <laughs> you, know, that's you were a hell of a lot of fun, I bet. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah,
4: that's it. <laughs> we're,
3: we're at, we think we're okay at kicking field goals.
4: Yeah, yesterday I made a 30-yard field goal. At Nebraska, yeah. yeah, we we need a kicker here. You know that I I said it to Coach Ross. I was like, look, I'm happy enough to transfer. I mean, I'll be the oldest player by around ten years. But no, I'm, they got I'm, a thirty
1: year old player on the team. Okay, really?
4: then then I'm right at home. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so if they can bring us on just to kick, we don't do tackles. Yeah, you guys are too big. Yeah, we don't don't do, don't do a, tackles. A
1: couple of years ago, they had a kicker problem here, and they they found a kid that was a waiter at Lead Belly's bar down the street, no and way. he made kicks. And then they asked him to come back the next year. He goes, now nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go back to being a waiter. What? <laughs> So we we've been plagued by kickers in Nebraska. Yeah. Okay. Well, Plagued.
4: I, I'll, I'll bring my cleats next time I come. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, literally, they. they're like,
4: hey, you know what? Let's just sign him up. This kid's good.
3: <laughs> we, we've got a video. We've got video footage on our Instagram, the yeah. two Johnnies, of him making a 30-yard
4: field goal. We're going to make tape and just send it to all the coaches.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: So how can our listeners follow you guys if they wanted to follow um, any of your channels?
3: Yeah, like Instagram and Facebook are our main ones. The two Johnnies, it's the numeral, the digit two. And we've been putting up all the footage of us getting the tours. We're at the, the walkthrough with the team. Uh, meeting Coach Frost. All that footage is on our social media.
1: Final question. If you were to say, what's the two or three best pubs in Dublin for Nebraska fans? I mean, is, is that a loaded question? Am, am I going to get you in trouble?
3: God, man. I still don't mention. This is like worse than politics. I, w- oh. I, w-
4: I would say check out the Boar's Head on Capel Street. That's got good Guinness. It's a big sporting pub. Great traditional. Uh, Rhines on Camden Street. That's a, that's a good pub. And that's a Tipperary owner. That's where we're from in Ireland. And they do good pubs. Tipperary people do good pubs. Um, Um, I guess the big tourist area would be Temple Bar. Mm -hmm. Temple Bar. It's Mm
3: -hmm. nice, like narrow cobbled streets, lots of bars. Like it's a little bit expensive because it's a little bit touristy. But if they want to see some real action, then head up to Camden Street is the area full of Irish people, good bars, nightclubs. and, And the Irish people will really love the Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, American, your Nebraska people will be so welcomed in Dublin.
1: I mean, we're known to go to places and just take over bars. Like, yeah. The Nebraska fans, when they go on the road, it's like, whoa, who are all these people in red walking Yeah, around? yeah.
4: <laughs> those, those Irish pub owners will love you guys. They'll happily let you take over their bars. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: we spend money, and we tip.
4: There you go. Okay. That's it. But
3: there's some great, uh, like the Aviva Stadium is used to hosting games, so there's some great bars all around it. They'll be used to having fans in. They might not be used to having the Cornhuskers fans in, but <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys get in there.
1: Well, Johnny and Johnny, thank you so much for coming on. So much, and Sean. hope you enjoy your first Husker game today. We're going to get beautiful 60-plus degree weather, and hopefully we bring that to Ireland and looking forward to seeing yeah. you guys out in Ireland how, uh, next August. How are we looking? Yeah, you're looking good. Yeah. You're rocking a number one, a number yeah. seven yeah. jersey. I saw these two guys. I'm like, these got to be the two Ireland
3: yeah, guys yeah. coming down <laughs> the street. They I, got, got, a, I got a scarf. <laughs> I got a hat. I got him wearing a T-shirt. He got Husker socks. Yeah. <laughs> we're,
4: we're committed. We mean business. <laughs>
1: well, hey, guys, thank you very much, and I'm looking forward to uh, our trip to Ireland. Maryland next August. Thanks so much. look forward to having you, Sean. Yeah. All right. Much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Watchen, Abby Barbar, As we're going to take some questions in the mailbag, but before we get to that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. Uh, get on into Tanner's this weekend. They're going to have all the conference championship games on on Saturday. Uh, they, they may have the New York Giants game on for Robin and Matt Abdelmasi on Sunday. I know they, they typically hold an area, uh, but Nebraska's playing, right? They play, they play Saturday. Saturday. Okay, yep. So, so you might see Coach Abdelmasi in Tennessee. We well, might Tanner's. be in there. I'm, you might be I'm there. not going to lie. Uh, watching, we got a uh, big
2: one against the Dolphins. We're, <laughs> we are officially back in the playoff hunt, where, like in the Sunday night football like screen, where it's like 25 NFC teams that are in the hunt. The Giants are at the bottom of the list. Of <laughs> but get on into Tanner's,
1: 30th and Yankee Hill. Great food, great drink specials every night, and they'll have all those Nebraska volleyball matches on, all the basketball games. Um, they are your one-stop shopping place to catch everything Huskers, everything sports. Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. But, Abby... Mailbag time. What do you have?
5: All right, let's go. There hasn't been much movement from current Nebraska players to the portal. Do you think that they're in the wait-and-see mode?
1: Yes and no. Uh, I, I've only heard of maybe one guy, um, and he he played limitedly, and I, I think that's the more likely scenario. Now, I am intrigued with the offensive line. Uh, you know, I wonder about a few of these guys that could potentially have their jobs taken or mm-hmm. could be recruited over. Because you know, I get it, some guys might have recruiting rankings that suggest they're good players, but they didn't play like that. And what happens if they bring in players to beat them out? You know, some of these guys
2: are going to be, you know, it, I think intrigued to explore some options, yeah. And I, I, that's probably maybe where a little bit of the wait and see uh factor comes in because the guys that are on offense don't even know who their coordinator or position coach is going to be. So, maybe they love the hire maybe somebody they know or maybe as soon as the hire is made the writing becomes abundantly clear on the wall and then they can make their decisions but but i guarantee you these guys are putting feelers out they're gauging interest you know having their people make calls and and getting potential other options lined up just in case it doesn't work out if they are on the fence about potentially leaving
5: any transfer quarterbacks to keep an eye on
2: Oh,
1: sure. I mean, I, I think it's going to play out still um, this week and next week, and the coordinator's got to be put in place. I mean, we still don't know what Adrian Martinez is going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some obvious ones. Brennan, the LSU quarterback, is somebody that at least has gained some following from the recruiting staff at Nebraska. Um, you look at – with the UCF kid. Dylan Gabriel. Yep. He's a Hawaii quarterback that, you know, was a 2019 player, so – I don't know the whole backstory there. Um, if he was recruited by the Frost staff, but we know Frost is big in Hawaii. Um, there's a pretty good Polynesian thing being built in Nebraska with Tony Tuioti and some mm-hmm. of the players, and maybe Raiola is coaching here. Um, you know, so there. That's something to watch. I. I but we'll, we got to wait what Adrian does first.
2: Yeah, well, that's the first big domino, and then the next one is who the offensive coordinator is going to be, because odds are that offensive coordinator is going to have a significant say on what the type of quarterback they want, and maybe said offensive coordinator has a direct connection to a certain quarterback. So those are the two things before we actually can give you a real answer on that that need to be determined, uh, and then it'll all kind of carry over from there. What do you got next?
5: Do you think Frost will hire offensive coaches he is comfortable with or go a little bit more outside of his circle?
2: Well, I think
1: you've got to always hire coaches you're comfortable with too. I mean, that's a big thing. I'll use this example. Turner Gill, when he took the Kansas job, was pretty much told he can't take anybody with him. And he hired what appeared to be on paper, this all-star coaching staff of big names, and it was a disaster. It basically destroyed his coaching career. Um, so I do think you've got to have guys that you know you can work with, that you're comfortable with, but obviously guys that can challenge you, and that's hard to do. You got to find the right fits. But that Turner Gill ones one I always go back to. You got this staff on paper, you're like, holy cow, Kansas got this great staff. Well, the guys didn't want to work well together, and it showed. Um, and Turner Gill was fired um, within a few years.
2: How about just a few years ago when Mike Riley was told he needed to hire Bob Diaco? And clearly that did not go well. So, you know. <laughs> and then they hired Dante <laughs> Williams without telling, like, Brian.
1: Like, they hired, like, another DB's coach without telling the yeah. current DB's coach. They had a corners coach
2: and a safeties coach or something like that. Like, it was a weird dynamic. Like, they
1: brought that over the top of Brian Stewart without even telling him. They, like, yeah. they, they, like mm-hmm. politely showed him the door without showing him the door.
2: Yeah, so, again, it could be one thing to shoot for the stars, but if it doesn't fit, it could implode on you very quickly. All right, Abby, what's next?
5: What did you think of Logan Smothers' performance against Iowa, and do you feel more or less confident in Smothers potentially running the offense next season?
1: Um, I think he did his job and did what he was supposed to do. The interception at the end, to me, wasn't his fault. I think the receiver broke the route off wrong, um, and pro football focus graded it that way, too. The fumble was obviously an exchange issue with him in the back, um, but it felt like maybe the back was as much at fault. Um, I thought his start was as good as you could have asked. Mm -hmm. I I question, though, can he carry the ball 18, 20 times like that Mm -mm. um, week to week? I think that was a one-week kind of desperation Mm -hmm. plan that did catch Iowa off guard, but you start putting that on film, teams will adjust – that's where you wonder if his skill set can play in this league.
2: Yeah, no doubt. But personally, I was more encouraged about his, you you were his be... potential. I mean, because I, off the very few glimpses we got on him, especially this off season and the handful of practices we got to watch, I was not very high on him. But for him to come in and, and, especially in that situation with those sets of circumstances, to play that well, uh, definitely kind of changed a little bit my tenor on him and. If he ends up being the guy, you know, I think that they at least have uh, something that they can work with. Whereas before that game, I would have been a little bit more doubted.
5: Four years into the Scott Frost era, name two weaknesses and two strengths. Big question.
1: Well, I mean, special teams is obviously going to be mm-hmm. weakness number one. I forgot it. Really? I forgot to say that in the chat. Um, I, I would say offensive line development, recruiting and special teams are my weaknesses. I think the strengths are the scheme. I mean, I do think what they do works. If it's executed, they can move the ball on anybody. They've proven it now this year. They moved the ball in Michigan. They moved the ball in Iowa. They moved the ball in Wisconsin. They can put up yards and produce numbers on anybody. Um, it's the, quote, details and other things that have held them back. My other strength would be I, I do think on defense they do a lot of good things too with, with mm-hmm. how Just they defense. play as a unit and what they do now they can't get to quarterbacks very well um, consistently but I I think there's a lot of things they did schematically that worked this year
2: yeah I mean the defense played well enough in most game for them to have a chance to win uh, outside of maybe a, a couple of them here and there so that side of the ball was was not the issue I guess for for me I mean you kind of listed off all the, the main weaknesses but You know, just kind of overall game management for me, you know, some of the decisions they make with, with personnel at certain times where, you know, you have these guys that are clearly better players that apparently for whatever reason they don't trust. And I'm sure there's reasons for it, but you know, when your best guys aren't on the field in the most critical situations, like the best example is, you know, there's plays, it's like a third and three and Austin Allen's watching from the sideline. And then they go bring him back onto the field for the punt. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that just makes you pull your hair out as a Nebraska fan.
1: All right, Abby, two more. What do you got left?
5: The wide receiver group finally pulled their weight this season, but Martinez struggled often to find open receivers, partially due to the offensive line allowing pressure. Do you think Frost will shift his type of quarterback to more of a pass-first, run-second quarterback?
1: I I think decisions just need to be made quicker. I I feel like there were times this year where Martinez just holds the ball too long Mm -hmm. and doesn't trust maybe the read or doesn't see what he should be seeing.
2: And it's kind of like a Mahomes type thing at times, but he doesn't have Mahomes' arm talent. Right, he can't pull the stunts that Mahomes does. Like there was a play, it was, <laughs> or, it was, I can't remember what game it was, like, maybe I Ohio State or die. something. There was a guy running a back post, and he was wide open. Like if Patrick Mahomes was a quarterback, it's oh, a touchdown. Yeah. But it was Adrian Martinez as the quarterback, and he didn't make that throw. And Sean's like, "Oh, I had that guy." I was like, "Sean, you've been watching too much Chiefs, man. <laughs> I watch a lot of Chiefs. You're That's my spoiled." Team. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's a big part of it is his decision making and also just some of the route concepts they were making where the plays were so long to develop where, you know, running crossing routes all the way across the field for Samari Tori, that when he had the time, they'd be open. But more often not, he wasn't having that time. And so we'd have to scramble around plays would get broken and uh, it would be a disaster. So maybe some f- philosophical changes. Maybe run a slant route here or there. I mean, what? remember when that was part of the offense? <laughs> uh, you know, those types of hitch. Yeah, those types of things that can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker, not force them to sit there and just you know pick apart an entire secondary for seven seconds. That would go a long way if it's Martinez or whoever's the quarterback.
1: All right, final question, Abby Barmore.
5: Sean, next week you're going to Ireland to kind of scope it out for the Husker uh, Northwestern game next season. What are you most excited for?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I'm excited. I've, I've, the only places I've ever left the country are to like Tijuana, Mexico, and <laughs> Nogales, Mexico, and Windsor, Canada. So I don't really wow. feel like I've ever left the country. Um, you know, as far as going to a true international experience, I'm guessing my trips to Miami Beach are more international than going to um, <laughs> the places I named before. So this will be my true first international travel experience out of the um, North American continent. Um, And I think this is going to be a great place to see. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to be traveling out there with a photographer by the name of Casey Fritton from Lincoln. And um, we're going to capture a lot of content, bring it back and, you know, just kind of show people what this trip's going to bring in August. And maybe a few more people are going to, you know, want to get things figured out and planned, but um, definitely want to see Dublin for what, what I want to experience shocker an Irish pub.
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, you got to go scout everything out. So when we get there, we have a game plan. We're not like looking up like uh, you know TripAdvisor or something like that, trying to find the best pubs in Dublin because uh, you know we need some inside info on that. So I'll be going potentially kayaking. We're gonna check out a golf course or two. That's that's what they told me. Like Rachel um,
1: from from you know she's got a whole thing of things that we can do. So we're gonna figure this out. But I'm gonna be gone from like a Wednesday to a Sunday, so it's gonna be a quick trip. Basically, I'm gonna have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday three full days of, of um, time out there before coming back. So I can't leave. Um, hopefully all the coaching hires are done yeah, no by Wednesday, Robin. Um, otherwise, I'll be working on two time zones.
2: Yeah, he'll be staying up early, you know, the 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what the time difference is. I don't is even know.
1: <laughs> I'll be crazy. I'll work. You know I will. So You can't shut it off. You're incapable. All right. Well, Abby, um, thank you for joining us here on The Mailbag.
5: Of course, guys. Had a great time.
1: All right. When we come back, we're going to talk coaching carousel and recruiting. What to watch this weekend. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to huskeronline.com, your authority on Nebraska
1: athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. Robin, it's been a crazy week in college football. Crazy week. I mean, one that I don't think we've ever seen before. In terms of just the, the coaching moves and things that have happened.
2: And, and how quickly they've happened.
1: And I have a theory. Because of COVID last year, 2020, you know a lot of people got mulligans because of shortened seasons mm-hmm. and guys being positive. Or money. I mean, people just didn't have the guaranteed budgets to do things. And I feel like we're getting like two coaching cycles now happening in one.
3: Mm.
2: A lot of like things like this were delayed that maybe had been in the works like Clay Helton.
1: There's no reason why Clay Helton should have been like coaching at USC for as many like many years. Like he should have been fired last year, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anybody wanted to take on all of this during the pandemic, Yeah, especially when you didn't have like a full checkbook to make a hire.
2: Exactly. And, you know, you don't must be doing a disservice because, you know, it's one thing to, to make that kind of investment at that time in the world, but also uh, you're kind of handcuffing your, your new coach and his ability to really get the program off the ground like he normally would in a in a normal football year. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. But, what? Uh, okay, the Lincoln Riley one – it
1: surprised me but the brian kelly one really surprised me yeah and you, you hear some things that maybe he had been thinking about leaving florida state in in the past or not florida state notre dame okay. um the administration there you know forced some coaching changes on him and it upset him previously and that he even considered maybe looking at florida state a while back i mean there's i mean he got the he got the all-time win record so he's got the record over lou holtz and Newt rockney and aaron mm-hmm. parsijans um, he's gone to multiple college football playoffs. I think in his mind, he's like, I've done all I can at Notre Dame. Well, what's crazy is the
2: timing of it though. I mean, like Notre Dame could still make the playoff and now he's leaving a situation where you're going into the most difficult conference in college football, where they'll fire you after winning a national championship after two years. And you, you don't get to pick your schedule, you know, like you do at Notre Dame, like Notre Dame basically could create its own path to the college football playoff every year. He was starting to recruit at a top five level, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess $10 million a year can change a lot of opinions, and maybe there was some some reasons why he was kind of wanting to get his foot out the door before that, but I don't know. I mean, the, the timing of it's weird, and I just don't know if it makes sense. Like, can you imagine Brian Kelly down in the bayou, like, eating <laughs> eating gumbo? I saw somebody on Twitter it was like, Brian Kelly's the kind of guy that thinks Sprite is too spicy.
1: Well, and, and <laughs> he's he's a no-nonsense guy. No,
2: I just don't know how it's going to go over, um,
1: man. I just – I don't know. The media there. I mean, he's not going to get very chummy with people. Like, exactly. He, he you better win. Put it that way. It's a different deal. And, you know, you're going against Saban. So you, you're in like, the same division as de- Nick Saban. The
2: degree of difficulty is like exponentially higher now.
1: Think about that division. You have <laughs> Ole misses in that division. I know. Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, you go down the line of all these guys, Jimbo Fisher, mm-hmm. Sam Pittman.
2: Yeah, Arkansas is rolling. I mean,
1: like, down. who is the weak? I mean, you would say on paper, Pittman's like the weak link of the conference, but yeah, of that division. But yeah. he's he's they're worn. borderline
2: top twenty five team right now. So yeah, again, we'll see. Maybe you know he's confident in himself that he can get that thing rolling. And obviously, there's very few places that are uh, easier to recruit to than LSU. But again, the expectations. That LSU or anywhere else in the SEC are so ridiculous, and your window of leeway to be able to win and win at the level that they expect you to is probably shorter than anywhere else in the
1: country. What I'm fascinated in are these 10-year contracts, this guaranteed money that's been thrown out, because what if it doesn't work? I mean, in some ways, I think Nebraska have experienced that a little bit this year with Scott Frost. I mean, it hasn't worked over four years in terms of the wins. Mm -hmm. And this daunting buyout, of twenty million was in front of the school this year and they were able to renegotiate things to a fair terms after this season. But we're seeing like guaranteed deals of a hundred million dollars, ninety million dollars. Things I mean that's enough money to like buy anything. I mean like Mm -hmm. that's insane. Um, you know, Mel Tucker getting ninety five million guaranteed (laughs) After, after one good year.
2: Yeah. I mean I guess there's something to be said like for a place like Michigan State where if you think that you have your coach, you better lock him up, especially if, if nothing else, it protects you in that if he does go somewhere else, somebody's going to have to pay you for it. So, I mean, there, there's something for that. If if you are fully invested in this guy, go ahead and lock him up. You know, I guess uh, you know, that, that's a different situation than maybe a place like an LSU where, again, they're very fickle with uh, how ha- happy they are with the job you're doing, uh, whereas as Michigan State – you know the, the 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 leeway there is a lot greater than a lot of other schools that are throwing around that kind of money.
1: All right, Mel Tucker was Big Ten Coach of the Year. I had Which a vote. Surprising.
2: Well, okay,
1: hear me out. He went ten and two. He did. They were picked last in their division. He beat Michigan. Okay. And He so, got humiliated by Ohio State. Correct.
2: But. And he what, almost lost to Nebraska.
1: What he did, though, I think you can argue. Pick seventh in the division to go ten and two. I mean, that is one of the better turnarounds you're going to see. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, obviously, hardball is never beaten. You know, and I, you know, the ballots like they don't give you much time. I'll, like they want you to have a vote in by Sunday morning at eleven a.m. or ten a.m. Um, so you you know you get you you might vote before a game or two and submit it. So I think pre Ohio State Michigan, yeah. you're like Mel Tucker, no question. That makes more sense. But then like. Post Michigan Ohio State, you're like God. I might have to go hardball.
2: Yeah, and I think it was just the way that they won that game. Where I mean, that was that was the best Michigan obviously has looked under or in that in that game in a <laughs> long time. But also, it kind of looked like that the tide was turning a little bit to where. You know, Michigan kind of backed it up all year long, and they had an identity. They stuck with that identity, and they won at a high level with that identity. To where now they're going to be playing for a national championship, likely.
1: All right, recruiting weekend this weekend, Robin for Nebraska uh, was able to report on a couple of visitors coming in this weekend uh, that we know of already by Tuesday. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of starting to see how this class fills. I, I believe we're at nine nine commits right now, um, but the the two visitors coming in that we know of. Uh, Brody Tagawaloa from Concord de La Salle. He's a six foot four, two 260-pound defensive lineman being recruited by Tony Tuioti, bringing his mom, his dad, his um, two siblings. Uh, I think the Polynesian connection to Tuioti is going to play big. Right now it's his only visit he's taking. He's going to sign in December. So I'd say Nebraska's in great shape here uh, with, with Brody. And then Malcolm Hartzog, um, a defensive back out of Mississippi, Um, plays 3A football, which is a middle class of Mississippi. Um, They play in the state title game Friday. He'll travel to Lincoln Friday night. He'll visit this weekend. Then the next weekend, he's in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. So this is another guy that I think if Nebraska wants him, they can also probably get Hartzog as well.
2: Yeah, and so, I mean, basically the approach right now uh, is just kind of – a lot of it just depends on the attrition. Is that kind of how you're viewing it as far as, like, how aggressive they hit the portal?
1: Well, I, I did some just simple math on numbers, and I think with everything you know Nebraska might have eighteen to twenty spots total potentially mm-hmm. and I, I think you're gonna see like thirteen to the recruiting class and probably seven or so to the portal
2: that that's my kind of balance meter right now. do you think that? They'll all. I mean, Frost made a comment recently about just with the the, the transfer portal's impact on recruiting, where he's like, I think the days of filling your 25 man class every year are gone now. To where you have to allow yourself a few extra scholarships here and there in case an opportunity arises. I know with basketball that, that was Tim Miles' strategy. He always kept an open spot, and so I mean, do you think that that's going to carry over to where football classes start? becoming smaller and you leave a couple open spots every year just just to, to utilize with the transfer portal as the year goes on um i think
1: here's the problem with the portal that i see is it's like a gun to your head mentality like you literally don't have much time to do any reconnaissance work on who you're taking because the window is basically two maybe three weeks tops and everyone's fighting with contact they're fighting for a visit and they're fighting to learn more information about why that player left school A, mm-hmm. and was it because he just wasn't very good? Uh, I mean, I'm going to use Tyreek Johnson as an example. Five star guy came in from Ohio State. I think we were like, "Oh, he'll be on the field right away." And yeah,
2: we thought he might start. He hasn't
1: been traveling, you know. And Quentin Newsom, who's been a solid three star guy mm-hmm. that's been in the program three years, turned into be a pretty solid corner. He played really well against Braxton Clark, Miles Farmer, two three star defensive backs. You know, I've played pretty well. And so I think there's something to be said about guys you develop in your culture versus maybe just a
2: guy with a resume on paper that didn't work out somewhere. So that being said, I mean, obviously, when it comes to the portal, quarterback is the the big conversation piece. But what would you say are the priority areas? Would defensive back be mm, up there?
1: Yes. Offense. I mean, let's be honest. Quarterback. Offensive line. Yeah, guard. They need a guard for mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. because right now they lose Sichterman. Would they
2: move any current guys inside and maybe hit a tackle mm-hmm. in the portal?
1: I think Prohaska and Corcoran. I think Prohaska is your left and Corcoran probably moves back to right. I think that was really going to work. I'm more interested, like Sichterman's spot. They need to mm-hmm. – Nuri Noelli will start. Juergens, we think, is back. Mm-hmm. So they got to get a guard, and they know what they have right now, and I think they need better.
2: Yeah, because what would it be like? Bando be the, the next guy up right now? Piper. Piper. Bando. Um, I mean. And those are the guys that were playing.
1: Ben Hart could move to guard, but how happy is he going to be? I, I don't know where Ben Hart's heart is right now at this point after the season that he went through. It's been yeah. a rough year for him. Um, on defense, everybody in the portal wants a pass rusher, mm-hmm. so that's a given. Yeah, no Secondary. Doubt. Oh, by the way, Robin, they need a kicker and they need a punter. <laughs> I mean, but other than, that, <laughs> other
2: than that. But, yeah, I mean, you go down the line. I mean, they, they pretty much. Would do, they take a running back, you think? maybe i mean they're pretty full in that room but you know I how guess- much
1: do you believe in ramir johnson exactly and you're bringing ashton hayes in um jacques Giant. do you think you can develop into but so there, there's a lot there but plenty to keep up on make sure you're on huskeronline.com check out our podcast channel we have taped a ton of great up close podcasts this week um had our final episode of the beat with jojo dolman had a new episode of off court with train bryce mcgowns Look us up at anywhere you can find podcasts. That's the Husker Online podcast channel.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.